Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the podcast for this season. So a bit of an impromptu podcast. Um, Chris, back on the podcast again. How are you doing? Yeah, good to be here, Ollie. Thanks very much. feel like I'm talking to you every other day at the minute. <laughs> it seems like we're definitely talking every day on WhatsApp with the crazy stuff that's going on at Shrewsbury Town at the moment. And we've got a, a new guest onto the podcast this week. Um, we've got John Palmer. So welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks a lot, Ollie. Chris, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So yeah, thanks um, for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Could you maybe just do give a quick introduction um, to yourself? I'm sure most Shrewsbury Town fans, especially those on Twitter, will recognise your name. Yeah, so I cover Cheltenham Town um, for Gloucestershire Live. Um, do do a few freelance bits for other publications. Been covering the club for about twenty years. Um, so seen some ups and downs in that time. And League League One, League Two, National League, and uh, obviously the last couple of years have been been really good, really positive for Cheltenham. Well, the last four or five years really. So. Yeah, go home and away, and and uh, born and bred in Cheltenham, and been a Cheltenham fan all my life. So, I try and report on them in in an objective way, but obviously I've got an emotional attachment with the club as well. Good stuff. So, John, you're obviously with us tonight uh, to talk about Mickey Moore, the fact that Mickey Moore has come from Cheltenham to Shrewsbury. So, if we can take you back a little bit, the first that this came to our attention was when your story dropped the day before the last game of the season, and. Certainly to Shrewsbury fans, that was a big bolt out of the blue. You know, we were sitting just in the top half of League One, all seemed rosy in our garden, and it was a bit of a surprise to find out that the club's considering appointing a director of football. So it was certainly a bombshell announcement for us and an interesting one. From your point of view, without revealing sources, of course, can you give us a bit of an insight into, um, you know, how that came about, how that story came about, and yeah, the process for you? Yeah, I think um, Mickey Moore had had a bit of interest from other clubs over the last couple of years. And um, the one that was most publicised was an approach from Forest Green back in October, which was quite an audacious one, you know, to go and try and poach your local rivals, director of football. Um, they'd lost theirs to Portsmouth. Um, and I, even though Mickey went to talk with Forest Green, I just, I never really felt like he was going to go for that one. I never felt it was going to, they were quite going to be able to persuade him to go. And it felt like Cheltenham were in a good place. He was he he was doing a good job. He was enjoying it. And I I thought Forest Green was uh, he, he went for the chat. They did they went through the proper channels, asked for permission. Cheltenham said yes. He went to see what they had to say, and decided not to go. When when I heard that Shrewsbury had expressed an interest, I straight away thought well, this one's going to be a little bit more of a, a battle to keep him maybe for Cheltenham, um, because I I think it's a, a, a more of an established League One club. Um, bigger fan base than Cheltenham. I know we're probably going to chat a bit later on about maybe the differences between the two clubs, but I think they look like they belong in League One and they've just had a very good season. Um, I think it's something like you two will know better than me, but second highest finished in 35 years or something like that. Correct. So, um, and I also feel that Mickey Moore might be thinking that he's now achieved everything he needs to achieve at the club. He was asked about Forest Green and he said he still had a few things he wanted to to achieve before he left Cheltenham. Um, Cheltenham never had four years in a row in, in League One. Obviously, now they've they've guaranteed them a third a third season in a row by surviving this year. Um, so that's one thing that I thought he might have wanted to achieve. But he's, he's basically broken all the club records during his time at the club. Um, team effort, of course, but he's been at the forefront of it. So when, when the Shrewsbury interest came about, I... I was a bit worried that he was going to come, and the longer it the longer it dragged on, because uh, it did it did drag on for a little while, didn't it? Um, obviously, it was a big decision for him, and uh, I never got the impression he wanted to leave Cheltenham, but 
I, I felt like there was going to be offers coming in for him because of the job he'd done. And, and yeah, it proved to be that it did uh, go on for a little little while. And then, yeah, the longer it went on, the, th- the more I thought he's going to move here. And then it made the decision to go. And I think he goes with most, most people's best wishes at Cheltenham because he has done a brilliant job over the time he's been at the club. You say it dragged on a bit, John, and it certainly did, didn't it? It was something nine days from when you, you reported again that the interview had happened to um, when he finally was announced as a Shrewsbury employee. Do you think that was nine days of him sitting at home thinking about it, or was it done sooner and there's things happening behind the scenes, compensation or whatever? It, it, I just wondered, well, did it really take that long to make his mind up? I, I, I genuinely think he struggled to make the, make the decision for a while. Um, really did mull it over. I think there was a danger if it dragged on any longer, it could have ended up messing up both clubs' summers. Really, um, hopefully that hopefully it's all been resolved in time so it doesn't mess up both clubs' summers. But I think Cheltenham Cheltenham's board. I spoke to the chairman at Cheltenham, asked him what the situation was. He he said they were reluctant to put too much pressure on him to pressure him for a decision instantly. But obviously they were conscious that they're trying to recruit players for next season. They're trying to retain players who are out of contract for next season. And they need to they needed to make a plan if he was going to move on because he was involved in pretty much every aspect of the club. But I do I do genuinely think it, it took him a while to make his mind up with this one. I think it was a tough choice because I think he's happy he was happy at Cheltenham in the role, and he was quite proud and rightly so of what he'd achieved. So I think it's a big decision for for him to walk away from that. I don't think it's necessarily a big decision to join Shrewsbury because I think that's a really good move for him in terms of he's located in Tamworth, it's not a million miles away. Um, like I said earlier, I think you'll see, you'll see, we'll see a bit more potential there, in terms of Shrewsbury were flirting with the playoffs at, at times this season, weren't they? They were obviously struggled a bit with injuries, and that probably cost them in the end. Could have been even better than twelfth, but that's certainly a respectable achievement. I think you might see a little bit more potential, but I do think it was a wrench for him to leave um, after coming in uh, as head of recruitment in 2018, and then gradually really sort of taking over a lot of different departments of the club, having a big say on the, the academy, becoming officially the club's first director of football in February 2020. Funnily, I remember interviewing him about that just before everything went down the pan in terms of lockdowns and things like that. That's when he when he got the title of director of football and Cheltenham never had one before. Um, so I think it would have been a wrench to leave. He's you know, he knows all the workings of the club now and he's set up a lot of the processes and a lot of the systems that, that are working that are working so well. But I think it was a in the end it was an opportunity too good to turn down for him. Don't think he was unhappy at Cheltenham at all, but really good opening for him to move on. He turned a few others down that haven't been publicised and this one I think was uh, by far the most appealing and he's he's grabbed it. So you clearly know the guy pretty well in terms of what he does work-wise. What are the positives with Mickey Moore? And are there any negatives? Is there anything that's uh, maybe less positive? The the positives are he, from from a Cheltenham point of view, he's left the club in a massively better place than it, than it was when he came in. So when he came in, a in, um, bit of a strange situation. Gary Johnson got sacked four games into the 18-19 season and his brother was the head of recruitment, Pete Johnson. They're working now together at Torquay. You know, they come as a pair, really. Gary's the manager, Pete does the recruitment. So when Gary got sacked, um, it was fairly early on in the season. It, it was, to be honest with you, it was a poor squad that had been put together. Um, they just lost Moisa to Bristol City, who, who'd been the star player the year before, scored all the goals. And it, it looked like a squad that was a bit needed a bit of, needed a bit of work pretty quickly. 
Um, so when Gary Johnson got sacked, they didn't have a permanent manager. Michael Duff hadn't yet been appointed and Mickey came in almost on a, you could call it a sort of freelance basis. Um, he was recommended to Cheltenham's chairman, Andy Wilcox, by Lee Carsley, who obviously played at a good level and he's coached at England in, within the England youth setup. Um, so he was highly recommended to the Cheltenham chairman at the time, Andy Wilcox. Uh, Mickey came in on a sort of casual basis to help with a bit of recruitment before the the window shut because there was a lot of pressure to get a few bodies in before the window shut at the end of that August uh, 2018. So the first few signings he made were were pretty good. Um, they they were they were not bad and they did improve the squad. Um, then Michael Duff very soon after that was appointed as manager and the two of those two, it could have been a bit of an awkward one because Mickey obviously had come in to just do a bit of recruitment. Michael Duff's coming into his first senior management job, but they, they hit it off immediately and had a brilliant working relationship for the for the remainder of the time that Duff was at the club. Um, and each window then that's passed since then, I'd say certainly during the League Two seasons, his recruitment just came get better and better, more and more impressive names that were coming in on loan from Premier League clubs. Some of the permanent signings were brilliant. I mean, five grand spent on Alfie May goes down as one of the best signings in Cheltenham Town's history from Doncaster. And they're probably going to sell him this season for a lot a lot more than that, this summer, sorry, for a lot more than that. So it was his ability to um, work effectively with Duff right from the start that was impressive. Um, he was he was just head of recruitment then. Um, contacts, particularly in, in the West Midlands with the big, the big boys in the West Midlands area, Villa, Birmingham, West Brom. He's very well well connected with those clubs. His work ethic is, I've I've found him to be a workaholic. Really, uh, he's at games all the time. You know, Cheltenham haven't got a big scouting network. It's basically Mickey and one recruitment analyst that supports him. Who's who's it sort of junior? Who's who's impressed? But he's just a young lad, really. Who's who's learning the ropes, and it's just those two doing it between them. They cover different areas of the country between them, and so he, a lot of the responsibility is on him to go and watch the players and go out and find what the head coach wants. But he's, he, another good thing about him, he doesn't really court publicity. He doesn't really like doing interviews. He's not particularly shy or anything like that. It's just that he doesn't really think he likes to sit, sort of sit in the background, let other people, let the head coach do the interviews. And if things are going well, they'll take the credit. Um, he's not one that will be trying to get himself in front of a camera every five minutes and claim credit for the, the success Cheltenham have had. So, I like that about him, his, mo- his modesty, his work ethic. The recruitment has been brilliant. And then even more impressive the last couple of years, he's got more involved in other areas of the club as well. So as his reputation is enhanced, he's probably got a little more, bit more influence with the board. You know, he's the link between the football side of the club and the board. Sits in on all the board meetings and he's sort of got it running how he wants it now. So he's, he's pretty much everything he's done has worked at Cheltenham to go from a team struggling in League Two in desperate need of players to a team now that have had the highest two finish in their history, 15th to 16th in League One. They've had the first EFL title in that time. They've got had their best run in the EFL Cup and the EFL Trophy in that time. They've broken the transfer record. They've got highest season ticket sales during that time. Um, and he's done it with another head coach now. So it wasn't... Michael Duff did an outstanding job and he, he certainly takes a lot of the credit, but... Wade Elliott was the first head coach that Mickey Moore appointed. And they've obviously had another, relatively speaking, for the size of the club, size of the budget, another really successful season. So that, again, is another impressive element to what he's done in his time at Cheltenham. 
Yeah, that was going to be one of my follow-up questions because obviously Michael Duff has made a name for himself. He's gone from Cheltenham to Barnsley and he's got them to Wembley now this season. So could very well be a championship manager next season. Probably will be, whether that's with Barnsley or someone else because he seems to be attracting interest as well. So how much of this is down to Mickey Moore or do you think if Moore hadn't been there you know, with Duff in, in charge, Cheltenham were on this trajectory anyway, how much credit does Mickey Moore take in all of this? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because... When when Duff went last summer, a lot of people were worried that it was going to you know fall apart. I suppose we might find out how good Mickey Wall Moore is now, as Cheltenham go into their third season in League One without him, and it is going to be tough again, budget wise, and losing Alfie May. Um, but I think Duff, like they just had an amazing understanding where Duff would tell Mickey Moore what he wanted, and Mickey Moore would go and find it for him, and he got very few wrong in terms of the players that he and. Un- uncovered and some absolute gems on loan and permanent and Duff um, was an excellent coach, man manager tactician, That, that he's got to have the credit for all that, for, for going from, yeah they finished 16th in his first season, then playoff semi-finals in his first full season, then they won the league and then they finished 15th last season so yeah Duff Duff's reputation is huge but I think Mickey Moore did play a big part in, in, in every step of the way and he was, they were on the phone to each other for hours every day, you know, it really was a, a good team effort between the two of them. And they just seemed to have, I, I wasn't sure if they would hit it off at the start. Had, hadn't really got to know Mickey Moore very well. Michael Duff was coming back to a club. He'd had a lot of success as a player and I thought he might just want to bring his own people in, but he just, he basically came in and worked with his own, worked with the staff that were already there, worked with Mickey Moore, who'd just come in. That became more of a permanent arrangement. And then obviously Michael Duff did, did bring Wade Elliott in, in the end. We played with at Burnley and knew very well as an extra coach. Um, ahead of the title winning season of 2021. Uh, but I think they they both played a big part in it. And I'd say Mickey was pulling a lot of the strings and was a lot of the um, the sort of the, the direction the club was going. I think Mickey had a huge influence on. Michael was able to, to get the best out of the players that were brought in on without, without spending much money at all. Um, and they, they, they had a really good working relationship. I still think they're quite close now. So, yeah, that partnership, John, is really important, isn't it, between the manager and the director of football in this setup? How long, I don't know how long you've been covering Cheltenham, but do you know Steve Cottrell, who, as far as we're aware, is still the Shrewsbury manager? Could you see those two working together? Because that's probably a concern for Shrewsbury fans. Steve Cottrell doesn't seem the type who wants to have anyone else having a look in on how he runs his football club. Yeah, I think Steve, I know Steve very, you know, very well for, for, for a long time. And obviously, he will always be a legend at Cheltenham for what he did. Three three promotions in five and a half seasons before he, he left for Stoke in 2002. Um, you know, incredible legacy that he's left. He's he's the reason Cheltenham got league football. There's no there's no doubt about that. Um, and he's still a, a big friend of the club. You know, he's born in born and bred in Cheltenham. He doesn't live in Cheltenham anymore, but he's he's uh, a Cheltonian. And Michael Duff was very much a player that he gave his first chance in the Cheltenham first team brought him through as a, as a sort of skinny right back. Always said he'd end up being a top-class centre-half, uh, Cottrell, and, uh, about Duff, and he was right. Went on to play international football. And um, so Duff owes Cottrell a lot as a player. And I also think Cottrell was heavily influential in um, in Duff getting the job as manager at Cheltenham as well. Um, I, I've been I've, I've been asked this a couple of times since, since the news about Mickey Moore came out, about whether I can see them working together. And, you know, I saw the story... Um, about Steve not knowing anything about the director of football until he read the article, but which is strange to say the least. But 
I do think Mickey is the type of character that could work with a, a, a manager stroke head coach like Steve Cottrell, who's got unbelievably high standards and is the the ultimate winner, really, of anyone I've ever met, probably. Some the, the person that hates losing the most, Steve Cottrell. But but also you won't find anyone more passionate about football. And I think they could work well together. I think they could have a good working relationship. I think Mickey's adaptable. He's worked really well with Michael Duff. He's worked effectively with Wade Elliott. He's got quite a lot of experiences. He's obviously managed as well. Um, he's worked in women's football. He's worked in non-league football. He's worked at a range of clubs and a range of levels. And he's de- dealt with all different types of characters. He's not the sort of person that will... I don't. I can't see there being a massive amount of friction, for example. If Steve Cottrell says, I want to do it this way, these are the type of players I want, this is how I want the working relationship to work, I think Mickey could adapt to to form a good relationship with him as well. He's not the type to come in and say, right, Steve, I'm in charge now. You're not doing that anymore. I'm going to make you do that. I'm going to tell you to sign. I'm going to tell you what formation you're playing. That's just not going to happen. Steve will be the, the person responsible for the, you know, the tactical all the tactical stuff, the team selection. Uh, what Mickey probably would be involved in, which she has been at Cheltenham, is the negotiation of contracts. Um, obviously going out and finding the sort of players that Steve would want. Um, so I but I can see them working well together uh, because Mickey isn't uh, isn't somebody that's going to come in and, and try and take over and grab all the limelight and step, tread on everybody's toes. I think he will assess he'll already obviously have good a good bit of knowledge about Shrewsbury as a club but I think he'll take a little while to assess what went well last season why maybe they fell away a little bit towards the end of the season partly just purely down to bad luck with injuries but obviously it was a small squad smallish squad quite a high quality squad but a smallish squad um but I could see them if Steve still at the, is at the club next season I could see them hitting it off and and one thing I do know is Michael's very close with Steve and Michael Duff and Mickey Moore is very close with with Michael Duff. So I'm sure if Steve's asked Michael what he's like, I'm sure he'll get a good reference. Um, so I think that could get him off on a good note because they've got that mutual, you know, they both know Michael Duff and Michael Duff will speak very highly of both of them. So I think that could help. And yeah, I'm sure they would, They've. They, I know they've met in the boardroom at Cheltenham a few times for, on when Steve's come back to watch Cheltenham and I think they've been very uh, pleasant and respectful of each other. And I, I just think it will be, that will give them a, a good chance to form a good working relationship, given the opportunity. Uh, that's interesting, John. Thanks very much. I was going to say that uh, one thing we have picked up, I suppose, in the last few weeks at Shrewsbury is there seems to be financial concerns and working within a tight budget, something that Mickey Moore knows well. I know, Ollie, you wanted to come in, didn't you, and talk about Mickey Moore's experience of working with young players, which may be important <laughs> for Shrewsbury. I was doing an article for a, a Football League podcast and I had to look back and I was actually chatting to the lads about um, when we last had a youth player come through. And in terms of a youth player being a regular first team, you have to go back to 2015 with Ryan Woods and Connor Goldson, who have obviously had, a, especially Connor Goldson's on to, gone on to have a fantastic career. Have you, um, has Cheltenham enjoyed had any youth players coming through into the first team? Yes, um, they have, they've had a few. And I know one of the things that Mickey is particularly proud of that he's done over at Cheltenham is, is bring the academy and the first team closer together. So the, the probably the one of the biggest success stories the last couple of years has been George Lloyd, who came through the academy. He did spend part of last season on loan at Grimsby and did really well for them. But he has he has got a number of first team games and goals under his belt, played quite a lot during the 
League Two title winning season. They're trying to bring the, they they know they need to bring more through. They've what they have done very well the last few years is bring in some loan players that have gone on to thrive back at their parent club. So they've helped bigger clubs develop their players. Now they want to bring their their own players through. But people like Jacob Greaves came in on loan from Hull. He's now regular for Hull. I think he's captain them. Uh, Matty Pollock came in on loan from Watford last season. He's now at um, Aberdeen. Caleb Taylor this season from West Brom. Looks like he can play at the very top level, centre-half. Um, Josh Griffiths, the goalkeeper. Callum Wright, who's, who's now at Plymouth. So the loan list is exceptional. There isn't quite as an impressive list of academy products yet that Mickey Moore um, has brought through while he's been at the club. But there are a few that are on the fringes. There's there's there's, there's a smattering in the squad now. One lad has just gone pro, Adelaide Sambu. They've got very high hopes for him as a right wing-back. Grant Horton, academy product, he's on loan at Bohemians at the moment in Ireland, doing very well. And I think they hope that he can come back and force his way into the first team picture. And the the group of scholars that are going to be second years next year, I think they're quite excited about them as a group as well. And he's um, brought in, Mickey has brought in Marcus Bignett, who he's known for years and they went to school together. He's Obviously, he's got some managerial experience and um, played at a good level as well. And he's been first team coach, but also helping to mentor some of the academy coaches and helping to, he's been one of the one, one of the figures that's helped close that gap between the first team and the academy. So Mickey's been heavily involved in that. So the, the average age of Cheltenham's team is noticeably lowered this season as well. Season just finished. It was slightly older last the season before. Um, they've gone a little bit younger and it, there's been a couple, they took a couple of heavy defeats probably because they were so inexperienced and, if they let a couple of early goals in, there was a couple of games where they collapsed. But they, Wade Elliott and Mickey Moore and the other coaching staff kept their nerve and sort of believed in the young lads. And they've got, I'd say they've got four or five now that have got a, at least one, possibly two seasons of League One football under their belt, having been in a bigger club's academy. They're, they're 22, 23, and I think at least two or three of them will get snapped up and, and get a chance at a bigger club. And that's what Cheltenham need to do. They need to produce players... They need to pick up players that haven't quite made it at bigger clubs or produce their own and sell them on. That's the only way they're going to survive in League One. They have the seventh, talking of financial constraints, the 17th biggest budget in League Two when they won the league. And they've had the second lowest budget in League One for the last two seasons and finished 15th and 16th. So the club's well run. Um, he's not ever really gone a penny above budget. And he's quite, I know he's, I interviewed him last season. He's very proud of that, that he's, He's never spent a penny above what he's been given by the board. He's never our asked ch- him to. Our chairman will like that, won't he, Ollie? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's rumours and murmurings and this chairman's statement's been quite, I don't know, strange is probably the word. You probably read them in terms of, yeah, financial um, controls uh, haven't been in place. So I, I imagine that the, the success that Mickey Moore has had at Cheltenham and obviously being able to overachieve on, on your budget um, and also getting players in the local area. Because one thing that we've missed out, I think, in recent years is one catching academy players from other teams. So we've got um, Ogbetta, who signed from us in Man City, went to Swansea, was on loan at Posh. But there's not hasn't been many of them. And also, I've always been surprised by the fact we don't have better links with local West Midland clubs. So we've had a couple of Wolves players, one um, Baggies player probably 10 years ago. But yeah, those links aren't there. So it's encouraging um, that he's got the links, he's got the local contacts. And hopefully we can benefit from those. Yeah, it's close enough to his his patch. You know, he's he's he's, he's very you know he's Birmingham born and bred, but he's also Birmingham now in Tamworth. But yeah, when the quote he said to me was, um, 
when Cheltenham won the League Two title, he turned water into wine, and then when they stayed up last season, he turned water into champagne because they haven't got they haven't got much money. You know, they have to basically get uh, loans, maybe gamble on first time loans that they've that they've watched in 23's football and quite like the look of. Some are going to thrive and some might not. Um, and then they've picked up people like Alfie May, who wasn't getting a game at Doncaster and done well in non-league football. And he's gone on to break the, the club's scoring, football league scoring record. And, you know, what he's done over the last couple of years has been a massive part of Charlton staying up. So, yeah, like I said earlier, he was one of the best signings the club's ever made. But there's been a few. Liam Serkham um, for Bristol Rovers has been brilliant. He's one of the few. I think there's only two 30-plus players in the team. Him and Ryan Jackson, the right wing back. Both of them are out of contract this summer anyway, but they, they were the only two really that were in the 30s. And it was a, the average age definitely came down and Mickey was, that was a conscious decision um, because they can't just join the queue for all the, you know, the, the proven League One players that everyone else wants. They're just not going to get them. They did try and get Bowman um, before he went to Shrewsbury, but obviously missed out. And quite, it's quite, you know, I, when I go about trying to find stories and these like that, I quite often find out that Cheltenham missed out on a player that's gone to League Two. Uh, so they've, you know, even some of the national teams, obviously Ben Tozer left Cheltenham to go to Wrexham, but that's a bit of a, that's an exception to any rule, isn't it? The Wrexham situation, but captain of Cheltenham from League One left to go to Wrexham. I think, you know, good luck to him. He's probably earning twice as much, but yeah, they they, they know they're probably going to lose players if things are going well and they just accept that and they they try and do things slightly differently. Take this full circle, John, if that's all right. At the start, you talked a bit about um, you weren't surprised when the Shrewsbury approach came in and you were pretty anxious he was going to take it. You mentioned Shrewsbury's best, second best finish in 35 years, which is true. We finished 12th. We were only four places above Cheltenham. Mm. So how much of a step up is Cheltenham to Shrewsbury? Yeah, I think the I would say that the full-strength Steve Cottrell team for the start of the season could have easily finished higher than 12th, I think. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've always watched his interviews and so I've, you know, I keep an eye on Shrewsbury probably more than I keep an eye on a lot of other clubs because of Steve Cottrell, because of Taylor Moore, former Cheltenham Loney, Carl Winchester, former Cheltenham player as well. Bowman, obviously Cheltenham tried to sign. So, it's, you know, there's a few, and it's not a million miles away either from Cheltenham. And obviously <laughs> Cheltenham did the double over Shrewsbury this season, which was, uh, Thanks one, one, one was probably deserved and one definitely wasn't. But, um, the, the one at your place, but yeah, I think it it is the one a at your club. place. But the one at your place was possibly the worst game of football I've watched in my time of watching football, and it wasn't a good game, was it? It was awful. No, no. I, think I know you you won it and deserve to, but you weren't great either. It was a terrible. No, it was game. a poor game, and I think Shrewsbury had a lot of um, stuff going on with uh, players' late injury withdrawals. Maybe one player was about to have a baby and had to leave the ground quickly, and I remember it was a bit of a late late reshuffle. Goalkeeper changed, didn't he? I think, yeah. but. But is that the full strength eleven? I think was was really good. I think Steve put a good team together, and I think it is uh, Cheltenham are absolutely at their max, finishing fifteenth, sixteenth in League One. That's that's as good as it's ever been at Cheltenham. Cheltenham are having a golden period, and when Cheltenham first got into the league in '99, Shrewsbury were in the same division, and they they're at the old ground then, and still still more established in the football league then. And obviously, they've had a lot more time in League One than Cheltenham have. Uh, Slightly bigger fan base, modern stadium that can make money, uh, not just on match days, whereas Cheltenham's ground is old school. The main stand was built in the 60s and it's crying out for, you know, modernisation for for not only for fans who are watching the games for because the leg room's terrible, but just for, you know, for commercial reasons during the week, it's not much really there to appeal to uh, people to use the facilities on a non-match day. So 
I think that's that's a, that's a bit of a stumbling block for Cheltenham at the moment. They, they are looking into trying to build to rebuild the old main stand, but but fan base history, uh, yeah, I think it, it you know, Cheltenham fans might some Cheltenham fans might criticise me for this, but I think Shrewsbury are a bigger club. Um, don't think many people can argue with that really. If you look at all the look at every metric possible, it's, they are a bigger club. Um, and there's League One's an interesting league, isn't it? Because you've got the ex Premier League or the big the big boys, the ambitious clubs that, are, that feel like they belong in the Championship. And then you've got a very small group of clubs that probably feel like they are League One clubs. And then you've got a group that are just clinging on and happy to be in there, really. And like Morecambe and Accrington have gone. It was always going to be a stretch for them to be in League One. I'd say, you know, there's a small group of Lincoln I would put in it that probably should be in League One. Uh, Shrewsbury, I think. It's not a God-given right, and if things go wrong, they could easily get relegated. But I think they they probably belong in League One, whereas Cheltenham are, are massively punching above the weight, um, and they were, weren't. They've never been a league club in a big club in League Two. They weren't even a big club in in non-league until Steve Cottrell came along, and that was done without spending huge sums of money. So they're not they're not like a a, a Wrexham. They're certainly not a club that spent their way up the leagues. You know, Fleetwood have had heavy investment. Forest Green have had heavy investment. I think Cambridge are really well run and that they're probably comparable to Cheltenham, but they're even they're a slightly bigger club and been in the football league a lot longer. Although they I know they dropped out of it for a period, but they've they've been in the football league over the over a long period of time for a lot longer. So Cheltenham have have really you know, to be playing against teams like Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, Ipswich, Bolton, Portsmouth, Cheltenham fans have just got to try and enjoy it because all things being equal, they would be mid table in League Two probably. So one thing you can you can absolutely say with certainty about Mickey Moore is he's he's played a big part in Cheltenham punching above the weight. That you know it wasn't just one good season. They've they've improved their league position every year he's been at the club, apart from last season. They've gone down one place, but that was in comparison to their highest ever finish in 135, 136 years. So he, he can be very proud of what he's done, and I do think he 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 has gone to a club that's got more potential to kick on in League One. Being absolutely honest. Good stuff, John. That's been really interesting. Thanks very much, uh, Ollie. Have you got anything else before? I no. Before we wrap up. No, no. We've covered that really well. Thanks for the input, um, John. That's really, really appreciate that. Um, hopefully, listeners enjoyed finding a bit more about Mickey. Mickey Moore. Um, obviously, he's he's the he's got to work hard because he has joined us in the week of the retain list. If Steve Cottrell does leave, that's adds another. Um, task to his um, long list of actions already but as you said we do have quite a solid core to work with so yeah fingers crossed we can build on this and yeah um, I think what everything you said is is fair and you know, we've got a good training ground and things like that as well so I think the infrastructure is there for shoes to crack on there's no given right I think that's one of my favorite mantras at the moment especially with you know Sheffield Wednesdays and it's which has been in league one in recent years and there's Reading coming down and there's always a few failures let's pull them in league one so yeah should be interesting and yeah thanks very much for your time and yeah good luck next season and um yeah fingers crossed Cheltenham Cheltenham do well and have a good season again brilliant good great chat cheers